Welcome into Locked On Blackhawks. Today is Friday, August 21st, 2020. I am your host, Jack Bushman, tuning in for the 196th episode of Locked On Blackhawks. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast for free wherever you may listen to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. You'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day, so please be sure to go do that. Also, please go follow our Twitter page, which can be found at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks, with some really good stuff being posted there every day. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, to start off the show today, I want to kind of pick up where I left off on yesterday's episode, and that was talking about Blackhawks head coach Jeremy Colleton and exactly where his future lies with this team. If you didn't tune in yesterday, well, then just as a little bit of a recap, I can kind of see both sides of the argument on what to do with Colleton. On one hand, he's still only 36 years old, and he stepped into one of the toughest situations a first-time professional head coach could ever be in, taking over for one of the best coaches in sports history, let alone the NHL, in Joel Quenville, but also becoming part of a franchise and a fan base that's well used to winning three Stanley Cups on the decade, um, but also having a roster that was slowly deteriorating with the star players starting to get older and the salary cap remaining an issue. And this was part of the situation that not many people focused on. So at least to me, the expectations were certainly way too high for a first-time NHL head coach stepping into this situation. Um, But at the same time, in his first two years here in Chicago, I'm not all that sure we've seen this team improve as a group all that much. I mean, sure, we battled hard in a playoff series against one of the best teams in the entire NHL, but the Blackhawks were still dominated in basically every game of that series, and they only made the playoffs in the first place because of the COVID-19 situation. Don't forget, this Hawks team was the 23rd best team in the entire league in the regular season, once again in the bottom third, and that's not where we wanted to be after... having Jeremy take over this team almost two full years ago. We wanted to be back in a push for the playoffs, and the Blackhawks were playing at a better better pace in the second half of the season. If they were playing how they were in December and January to start the year, we could have been pushing 100 points and we would have been fighting for a playoff spot, but that's not how things went in October and November, and it really cost us early. And also, on top of all of this, Colleton really doesn't do himself any favors. He, he kind of continues to make head-scratching decisions that just leave you wondering what is going through his head from time to time, whether it's playing Lucas Carlson or John Quenville in the playoffs, not using the matchup advantages to his favor, leaving Jonathan Taze on the bench for the final couple minutes of regulation in an elimination game in favor of Dylan Strome. Which, now thinking about it, that could have been the cause for that cold shoulder or whatever you want to call it as he and Kane headed off the ice. Um, But Carlton, yeah, he's made his fair share of questionable calls during his tenure with the Blackhawks. And yesterday, The Athletic's Mark Lazarus wrote an interesting piece about whether or not Colleton is the right coach for this team, and he got some opinions from a few higher-ups across the National Hockey League, and it was interesting to read about how uh, a few scouts watching these games thought that Colleton was getting the absolute most out of his team in these playoffs, 
while uh, a couple others were quick to point out his questionable decisions like Taze being on the or Taze being on the bench in the final minutes of game 5 and Calvin DeHaan being out there one of our uh, more defensive defensemen um but Lazarus brought up some good points in his article the first being that there've just been too many extenuating circumstances to get a great read of Colleton and his effect on the team at this point he's done things well uh, Kirby Doc continued to only get better and better as the season went on, and I thought Colleton handled him beautifully this year. And even though Adam Boquist had a rough go of it in the playoffs, he was still in the NHL a year earlier than most people expected, and he played well in the second half of the regular season, just kind of uh, mismatched in the playoffs with his size and inexperience. And he'll only get better at, in those areas as he continues to grow into uh, an NHL regular and as I mentioned earlier, the the expectations for the uh, for the situation Colleton was put in were just too grand. Fans loved Q and loved winning, and they got a lot of that with him. And so far, Colleton has not been at that level, which sh- shouldn't be you know shouldn't be a surprise for people. He's not a Quenville level coach, and this wasn't the same team we had from 2009 to 2015. So people still didn't understand that that was going to happen regardless. But on the flip side, Colleton's bads are undeniable. Looking at Alex Nylander, he had an oddly long leash this season. Even in Game 4 of the first round against Vegas, he's playing some pretty serious minutes with Alex Dabrinkit and Dylan Strom on the third line when he hadn't had a point at in any of the games so far in the playoffs and really hadn't created much offensively. Uh, then Dylan Secura wasn't playing in playoff games when he should have been in there over Quenville. And also the line combinations at times were baffling. John Quenville's playing in, uh, on the top line with Dominic Kubelik and Jonathan Taze in an elimination game. And he's also on the ice with j- under three minutes to go in game five. So there, there's been a lot of head scratchers from the guy behind the bench for the Blackhawks. Um, but... This, I mean, there, there's been a lot of tough breaks for Colleton. This was his first full year as head coach, and he did finally get his training camp, but he lost a lot of key pieces to his team because of injuries. Andrew Shaw went down early. Calvin DeHaan was out for basically the entire second half of the regular season. Brent Seabrook got hurt. Connor Murphy had a couple of injuries. Same with Drake Kajula. Brandon Saad had an injury. Dylan Strom had a gross-looking ankle injury. So... A lot of AHL-caliber players were forced into the lineup this season, so I can easily make an argument that Colleton did well with the hand he was dealt in 2019-20. Lazarus ended his article by saying how he's pretty certain that Colleton will be the head coach at the start of next season, and I tend to agree with him. I said in yesterday's episode that this is Stan's mess originally, so I'm not sure how you can blame Colleton first at this point, Um, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if the franchise made the decision to move in another direction, which I don't suspect they will at that moment, but if they somehow did decide to make that decision, then I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. I would certainly understand why the Blackhawks wanted to change face and just get a whole new set of eyes leading this team back to where they want to be. 
Alright, I think that takes care of all the latest news I wanted to share on Blackhawks head coach Jeremy Colleton's future. Coming up in just a moment, I am going to take a look at the first round series across the NHL to discuss what's going on in the last couple of days and which teams have been able to move on to the semifinals. But first, I need to talk about Bilt Bar, which is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Bilt Bar is back and they now have 18 total flavors. Six of them are new, the six new flavors being Caramel Brownie, Cookies and Cream, Cherry Barcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, and Apple Almond Crisp, all of which, like the other 12 flavors, are covered in 100% real chocolate and are soft, easy to chew, and great for the keto diet. Not only are all the bars low calorie and low sugar, but they are also a great source for protein and fiber, so make sure to go to BuiltBar.com today and use the promo code LOCKEDON in all caps to get $10 off your first order. Built Bar is also giving away a free cooler with every purchase, so now is the time to pull the trigger for the best protein bar on the market. One more time, be sure to check out BuiltBar.com for a delicious and healthy snack option and use the promo code LOCKEDON in all caps for $10 off your first Built Bar order. This is the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for listening today. I am your host, Jack Bushman. Be sure to check out my personal Twitter page, at JackBushman2, and my Blackhawks Twitter page, at TalkinHockey, for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. Also, be sure to subscribe and follow Lockdown Blackhawks for free wherever you listen to your podcast and also on Twitter to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. So we just finished talking about Jeremy Colleton and whether or not he's the right guy to lead the Blackhawks back to where they want to be. Moving on now to the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and we've seen some intense action going on the last couple of nights. On Wednesday, we saw three teams close out their first round series to move on to the next round. Starting in the Western Conference, the Colorado Avalanche continued to take it to the Arizona Coyotes after winning 7-1 to in Game 4. They do the same thing in Game 5. They score 14 goals in just 6 periods. And how about Nazem Kadri? He leads these playoffs with 6 goals tied with Bo Horvat and Anthony Beauvillier. And also Nathan McKinnon, man. <sighs> Is he something? He's the best player remaining in these playoffs. He leads the postseason with 13 points. He's ragdolling guys in scrums, throwing ginormous reverse hits, just kind of doing a bit of everything for this team. And look out for these Colorado Avalanche, a really, really scary team right now. And I have them coming out of the Western Conference in my bracket challenge, and I'm liking that decision so far, just a dominant first round from Colorado. Then out in the Eastern Conference, Tampa Bay was able to close things out in five games against the Columbus Blue Jackets who were just clearly mismatched this time around, a much different confidence level surrounding this Lightning team. 
and they get the job done in dramatic fashion, an overtime winner from Braden Point in Game 5, and they actually trailed by two goals with eight minutes to play in this game, but they were able to tie things up late and get the win in overtime, and that's what good teams do. They find ways to win right in the face of adversity, and I had Tampa winning this series in six games, so I was close but still correct with my decision, and I also have them taking the Eastern Conference and the Stanley Cup, so... They're certainly looking like a team of that caliber so far in these playoffs. The Boston Bruins were also able to close out their series against the Carolina Hurricanes in Game 5, and this series was never the same after superstar Sebastian Ajo suffered that gruesome-looking leg injury, and then in Game 4, a Carolina blew a 2-0 lead in the third period, allowing four unanswered goals in about an eight-minute span, and that completely took the wind out of the sails for the Hurricanes. The series was all but over after that. And then on Thursday night, the New York Islanders shut out the Washington Capitals 4 to nothing to win their first round series 4-1. to Islanders coach Barry Trott strikes his revenge against the team he won the Stanley Cup with just two seasons ago. And he continues to be a defensive wizard. The Islanders only had 17 shots on goal in this game, but they won 4 to nothing. And they played to their strengths. This was another defensive battle. Only 21 shots on goal for Washington, and that's exactly how the Islanders want to play as a team. Trotz, just, he just gets the most out of his guys all the time. It's really crazy because... On paper, that team's really not that deep, but they're playing like one of the best in the NHL right now. And Trotz, he just knows how to win hockey games in this league, clearly, I mean. Um, doing a really good job against a, a, a really good team in the Eastern Conference. And look out for the Islanders right now, a team that not a lot of people are talking about, but can certainly hang with the best of them in the National Hockey League. I had them winning this series in seven games, but... Hey, I'll certainly take it in five. The Dallas Stars also closed out their series against the six-seeded Calgary Flames, winning 7-3 in Game 6, scoring seven unanswered goals after falling behind 3-0 early. I saw this uh, stat on Twitter. They're the first team in Stanley Cup playoff history to be trailing by three goals and also be ahead by four goals in the same playoff game. Ooh, that's pretty interesting. And... For Calgary, man, what a tough way to go out of these playoffs. So close to forcing a Game 7, yet so far away at the same time. Dallas really pulled it together in the series after falling behind 2-0 through the first three games. And I really like how they play as a team. I I had them winning in six games, so I had this one spot on, but... Unfortunately, Dallas will move on and face the Colorado Avalanche in the next round, so I think their postseason run is going to be cut short here pretty soon as the Avs, I I think, will be just too much to handle at this point. They got weapons all over the place, and I'm just not sure Dallas will be able to keep up with their speed in this series. So we still have two more series that need to be played out, one out east and one in the Western Conference. The Eastern Conference still has the 1v8 matchup, interestingly enough, as the Philadelphia Flyers are currently up on the Montreal Canadiens 3-2 with Game 6 coming tonight at 6 o'clock Central Time. This series has been a bit of a bloodbath so far. Brendan Gallagher took that nasty cross-check from forward 
uh, Flyers defenseman, excuse me, Matt Niskanen, that ended up breaking Gallagher's jaw, and he'll be out indef- uh, uh, indefinitely for Montreal. Is He was forced to leave the bubble because of this injury. He's got to go get looked at and get a scan, I believe. So he's going to be out for a while for Montreal. And Niskanen, he has been suspended for Game 6 because of this hit, which doesn't like... Uh, doesn't seem like a fair punishment for what he did to Gallagher. Uh, he's out for a while, and Niskanen just misses one game. And that was a, a really bad hit, in my opinion. But Montreal has the, strike, uh, has the chance to strike their revenge on the ice tonight. They won Game 5 to stay alive in the series, and I wouldn't count them out just yet. They've, they've played some pretty good hockey in the series, and had it not been for two Carter Hart shutouts, they easily could be up 3-2 to two or even have the series... One already heading into tonight. Then, in the Western Conference, the 4v5 matchup still needs to be played out, which is the Vancouver Canucks and the defending Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues. The Canucks have a 3-2 lead in that series. After St. Louis was able to take games 3 and 4 to even things up, Vancouver got a huge Game 5 win to take their series, uh, take their series lead back. And they'll look to close it out tonight at 8.45 p.m. Central Time. Now, tooting my own horn here a little bit, but my bracket challenge is looking pretty solid so far, guys. I had Colorado in five games, which they did. I had Dallas in six, another check there. Uh, I have Vancouver in seven, which they're up three to two, so looking good right now. And then my only mistake out west was picking the Blackhawks in seven, which I knew was dumb, but that was just something I simply had to do. Uh, I came to grips with that. I told myself I wouldn't let myself uh, get upset when Vegas wins the series because I I could not pick the Hawks. Like, if they won and I didn't pick it, I'd feel like the biggest idiot in the world. So I had to go with my boys, and that looks like my only mistake right now in the Western Conference. In the Eastern Conference, I had Tampa Bay in six games. They won in five. I had the Islanders in seven games. They also won in five. And I had the Flyers in five games. They're up three to two right now, so that pick is looking good as well. My one mistake in the East was picking Carolina. And before Sebastian Ajo got hurt, I really thought they had a chance. But after that, I I knew it wasn't going to go well. So I'm not mad at myself for picking the Hurricanes. I thought they were a really good sleeper team to upset a high-end group like the Boston Bruins. And unfortunately, their top player got hurt, so... Nothing I can really do there, and uh, hopefully uh, Vancouver will be able to close things out, and uh, honestly, I'm kind of rooting for Montreal in that 1v8 matchup. Uh, I have the Flyers winning, but if Montreal somehow is able to move on to the next round to verse Tampa Bay, then I'd be all for it. I'm all for the 24th and final team getting in these playoffs, making a run here. All right, so I think that is going to take care of all I wanted to talk about in the first round of these playoffs. Coming up in just a moment, it's time for our new Blackhawks 2020 postseason recap segment here on the podcast, where I take a look at one Blackhawks player's performance in the Stanley Cup playoffs every day. This is the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. As always, I am your host, Jack Bushman. 
You can reach me on Twitter at JackBushman2 or at TalkinHockey, or you can also always email the Lockdown Blackhawks email, which is LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com for any questions you have about the show, myself, or anything that has to do with the rest of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Okay, so we just wrapped up talking about the first round series in both the Eastern and Western Conference as part of these 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs. Now it's time for our new Blackhawks 2020 postseason recap segment here on the podcast, with today's feature being Blackhawks 25-year-old rookie Dominic Kubalik. So Kubalik, much like yesterday's feature, Captain Jonathan Taze, he got off to a flying start in these playoffs with a five-point playoff debut. He was doing a bit of everything in Game 1 against the Oilers, two goals and three assists, including two power play goals and also recording the game winner. And he had five shots on goal in that game as well. And the crazy part about all of this is that Kubalik did all that work in just 13 minutes and 56 seconds of ice time. And that was kind of the story in the regular season as well. Kubalik was one of the best players in the entire NHL in the goals for 60 minutes department this year. So even though his ice time did pick up a little bit in these playoffs. You have to think going forward, Jeremy Colleton or whoever is going to be behind the bench for the Blackhawks has to give Kubalik more opportunities at even strength. You got to have your best goal scorers out there as much as possible. And Kubalik averaging 15 to 16 minutes per game was still too low this year in my opinion. So after that incredible game one where the top line of Jonathan Taze, Dominic Kubalik, and Brandon Saad recorded a combined 10 points, Kubalik being responsible for five of them. The Czech forward failed to pick up any points in games two or three of the qualifying round series against Edmonton. But when the Hawks needed him the most in game four, he came up huge, scoring his second game winning goal of the series with time trickling down in the third period. Uh, Taze creates a turnover down low below the Oilers' net against Ethan Bear, and then finds Kubalik in the soft spot of the defense for his third goal of the series, and that was all the Hawks needed to get past the five seed in that play-in round. Some great stuff there from the Hawks' type top line in that series. Dominic Kubalik finishing with three goals and three assists in just four games. Similar to Taze in the first-round series against the Golden Knights, though, Kubalik failed to get much going offensively with just one goal and one assist, and his only goal came on the power play, so he did not record a goal at 5-on-5, five five, and the top line only had one even-strength goal in this entire series, and it came all the way in the final game. So, quick shout-out and kudos to Vegas for not letting the Blackhawks' top players take over the series and swing momentum back in our favor. Kubalik was still getting some decent chances in the five games for Vegas, as he had 12 shots on goal in the four games compared to Taze, who had just seven, as we talked about yesterday. And while Kubalik was routinely getting chances basically every game, I still have no idea why Jeremy Colleton and the Blackhawks refused to play him at the right dot on the power play. Uh, after scoring a blistering one-time goal, in Game 1 versus Edmonton, it's it's like they didn't even care that they have a potential weapon with his shot. I'm just so sick of seeing this power play fail and having Kubalik in the slot looking for redirects. H how don't you have our best shooter in an opportunity to rifle the puck? 
if he's not consistently getting power play time in that area next season, I may wind up breaking my TV with a baseball bat or something because I have no idea what this team is looking at and what they're waiting for. It's like, seriously, they don't want to help themselves sometimes. It's like, it's the most frustrating thing in the world. Kubelik has to be getting more opportunities to score goals next season. So, Overall, Kubalik finished with four goals and four assists for eight points in nine playoff games this year, but five of them five of them came in that opening game against Edmonton, and then after that, he had just two goals and one assist in the next eight games. So it was a great start for Kubalik, but he definitely faded a bit against Vegas, uh, as did most of the Blackhawks' offense. So this this was still his first bit of postseason action, and I personally thought he handled it, handled it well, especially as a rookie, playing solid along the boards and in the offensive zone and in all three in all three zones and really all facets of the game. He was pretty impressive impressive for the Hawks. So I was thinking of giving Kubalik an A minus just because he's a rookie, but. Because he faded so hard after the first game, I'm also going to give him a B-plus this postseason. He failed to score an even-strength goal in the five games against Vegas, so I can't possibly give him an A. But at the same time, I liked what I saw from him in the playoffs, and I was really impressed with his game as a whole. And I'm just really excited for his future here in Chicago, assuming that general manager Stan Bowman will be able to bring him back this offseason, as Kubelik, of course, will become a restricted free agent in the next couple of months. All right, so I think that is going to wrap up Dominic Kubelik's 2020 postseason recap and also Friday, August 21st episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and be sure to subscribe and follow the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you'll get the latest episode as soon as it comes out every day. And after the show, ask your smart device to play the Lockdown NHL podcast for all the latest news from all the teams still remaining in the Stanley Cup playoffs. As always, following a Friday, the next episode of Lockdown Blackhawks is Mailbag Monday. So don't forget to hit me on Twitter at my personal account at JackBushman2 or my Blackhawks account at TalkinHockey for any questions at all regarding anything related to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. Or you can also always email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com or call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. All right, so thank you again for listening to Friday's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Until Monday's episode, be sure to enjoy your weekend responsibly.